0: My, my wife hate, hated going to the dentist as a kid, and I think it was passed down to our son, Asen. Um, this is a video. <laughs> <laughs> stop running away? Come here. Okay, you can, you can cut it. A lot of times when we go through pain or we see pain that happens in our lives, we're a lot like that because we don't want to go to the dentist. We don't want to experience the pain. But a lot of times we don't see the long-term picture that God sees that all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen? Um, last week we talked about the difference between grief and lament that to grieve is human, but to lament is Christian. And it's only Christians that can lament, and it's because Christians, it's us Christians who believe in the goodness and the omnipotence of God. And so if you believe in the goodness of God, you know that everything is under his control. And in the, the pain of what we feel, there's a the hope that he's going to turn that pain into something good. And so the process of lament we talked about last week There's a process that God has given us on how to walk through pain and suffering and being a part of my community and and what has happened in Lahaina and uh, the past several years with COVID and so many people experiencing death of loved ones and and a separation uh, from people that they love. It's been a, a, a time of mourning and a time of loss, but as Christians, God has given us a process to walk through when we do encounter pain and that process is lament. There's four steps to lament. How many of you remember how to lament from last week? Number one is to be transparent with God, right? To talk to God about how we're feeling. To talk about the pain and the loss and to be open about that. Uh, the same way as parents, when we have children that clam up when they're hurting and they don't want to talk to us, God feels separated from us and we're not transparent about what we're feeling when we encounter loss. And so to be honest with God and to share the second thing is to remember. Everyone say remember. To remember and recount the faithfulness of God in our lives in the past. How many of you have experienced the faithfulness of God in your life? And so when we go through difficult times, we not, not just are transparent with God and talk to him about what we're feeling, but we also recount and re- recollect what he has done in our past. And then to think, number three, how, how to... Uh, look at what he's done in the past as a reflection of his character. Everyone say reflection. As a reflection of his character that if he provided for us in the past, that he is our provider. If he uh, kept us from a dangerous situation, that he is also our protector. If he forgave us, he is our savior. You know? And so we can, the third thing is to reflect on what he is to us. And then the last thing is to look to the future with hope, to look to the future with hope based on who he is and what he's done in the past. And so the process of lament in a Christian is much different than just grieving that the world has. Amen? So last week, we talked about how to lament, but this week, we want to talk about what we can learn during the process of lament, what we can learn during the process of lament. Let's read Romans 8, 18, and we... we uh, We rehearsed this scripture earlier in the service, uh, Romans 8, 18. Let's read this together. One, two, three. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let's read that one more time. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, and you can underline that in your notes if you want to, this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And you can underline, shall be revealed in us. The thing that we can get out of that portion of Scripture is that all suffering is temporary. All suffering is temporary for those who are believers, for those who have a relationship with Jesus. Everything that we go through that is a loss, everything that we go through that's painful, everything that we go through that is confusing... These are all temporary situations. For I consider the suffering of this present time, and this present time doesn't go on forever. But there's a hope that we have, that the suffering of this present time, it doesn't compare to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen? Everything, amen? Everything that you're going through right now is a process that ends up with God's glory being revealed in your life. Isn't that a powerful promise? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's temporary. And say it like you mean it. It's temporary. Whatever you're going through, it's temporary. Let's open in prayer. God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that all suffering is temporary for those who love you. Lord, that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, thank you for the process that we have to lament the things that are painful in our lives, but also the things that we can learn through the, the, the suffering that we walk through in this life. God, we pray that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, amen. We're reading out of Romans 8, and Romans was written, uh, a lot of the theologians believe Romans was written between 50 to 60 AD, 50 to 68 uh, years after Christ, and it was during the reign of Nero, who was the emperor at at the time, and there was severe persecution of Christians. And so when he wrote this, uh, when he wrote Romans 8, and he talks about tribulation and suffering, it's in the context of many, many believers getting killed for their faith. We don't understand that kind of suffering. But in Romans 8, um, Paul says, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. It was said that during those times when Paul was penning this as an encouragement to the church, the church was, had a hope of resurrection. They saw Jesus Christ resurrect. But when they went through suffering and they were getting eaten by lions and when they were getting crucified and crucified upside down and burnt at the stake, they weren't seeing their family resurrected. And so there's a lot of people falling away from the faith and Romans 8, and the book of Romans was written to a church who was discouraged, who was going through intense persecution, intense loss, intense suffering, and this was an encouragement written to them. The early church was going through so much persecution, it was said that, that the, the catechism that w- they went through or the, the process before they, were, they got baptized was a six-month process because they were planning to receive this family into their fellowship. And many times when they declared themselves Christian, they would get killed for their faith. And so what was happening in the six months of them understanding and making a declaration to be a Christian was provisions of who will take care of their children if they did get persecuted for their faith to the point where they were killed. We don't understand that kind of persecution. But what Paul wrote in Romans 8, provides consolation for us and helps us to understand how to deal with our own suffering. Um, How many many are happy that we don't live in 50 AD in Jerusalem? Are you guys happy that we? (laughs) There's a lot of blessings that we we do have. Um, What are the things that are revealed? Number one, uh, so what I wanna talk about this morning is what does lament reveal in our in our lives number one it reveals our position it reveals our position and our position in the light of God and in light of eternity we live in a world let if we can let's read this together uh, we live in a world that has been tainted by sin everything in this world is temporary fallen and will pass away but God's kingdom is eternal perfect And free from sin. Romans 8, 20 and 21, it says, For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. When I was reading that, I felt like the the Spirit kind of highlighted that passage where it says, bondage of corruption. That creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I never considered myself, or a lot of us, I never considered us as in bondage. We don't have chains. We don't walk around in prison. But what did Paul mean when he was talking to the Romans about being in bondage to corruption? And when I started thinking about it, and Reflecting on the past several years, bondage or being subjugated, we're all in bondage and subjugated to corruption. What does that mean that we're in bondage to corruption? How many love the things that you have? How many love that you don't have to raise your hand, but love the things that you have and love the people that surround you and are attached to the things that are in this world? All of us right? We grew up in this world, and so we love our homes. We love our families. We love things that, that God has blessed us with. But what does it mean that we're in bondage to corruption? I believe it means that we're tied to things that, are, that will suffer corruption, things that will pass away. And I never looked at it that I was in bondage because I'm affectionately tied to things that are going to pass away. But I don't know if, if you've ever done this before, but as a kid, we used to go to the beach and we used to make castles in the sand. How many of you have done that? And you would make your castle far away from the waves so that you could build this castle and it wouldn't fall apart, right? And then sometimes you'd dig super deep and then be, you'd reach water and there'd be a little pool and you could play in it and have fun and... You could bury your sister up to her neck and leave her there while she's kicking and screaming and then tickle her. and she, you know. Anyway, we would make certain things and put a lot of effort into it, but we knew that it was going to get swept away when the tide came up. But can you imagine if you built something with all of your heart and all of your might and made a sandcastle that you could hope to live in And then after putting all that energy and time and affection into that, that the tide came up and washed it away. Anybody who did that, you would think is crazy, right? But in a lot of ways, we all do that. We all tie our affection and our energy and our time into things that are going to suffer corruption. They're all going to pass away. And and if we tie our affection and our energy and our heart into things that are going to pass away, the scripture calls that... Bondage. But Paul says that the hope is that we're going to be released from that bondage. We're going to be delivered from that bondage into the glorious liberty of the children of God. How can we be released into the liberty of the children of God? It's by tying our affection to things that are eternal and not temporal, things that are of the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of earth. I remember um, talking to Tony, my friend. And um, some of you have heard this story before, but he said that he had just bought his, his dream home in Lahaina. And, and he's a Christian but hasn't been going to church, and he said that he would drive into town every day. And as he was driving over the Pali into town, God would tell him, and he said it was so strong, every single time he would drive, if anything happens to your home, it's not a reflection or it is irrelevant of my relationship with you. And he said every time he drove on the poly, he would hear that same phrase, if anything happens to your house, it's irrelevant to my relationship with you. And he said that when he heard his house burn down on on August the 8th, that he remembered what God told him. If anything happens to your house, that's irrelevant to my relationship with you. And he said, God was preparing me a month in advance before my house burned down. And then we were standing right out there as he was sharing with me this story, and he, he started going into tears, telling me of this experience where he was going to take a shower, and he flipped through his Instagram, and he saw a picture of him and his wife and his kids standing in front of the house when they got the keys for their house. And he was flipping through his own Instagram, and he saw the picture, and he said that he just broke down crying because it was his dream house. He finally had it. And he went into the shower, and he was banging his head against the wall, and he's like, God, that's my house. God, that's my home. God, that's my home. And he said it was almost like an audible voice that he heard that said, that was not your home. And he said when he heard those words, it was just like truth that pierced his heart, where he realized that wasn't his home. And in the same vein of that truth piercing his heart, the truth of his home is in heaven also went into his heart as well. Our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. And it took the suffering of losing something that was so precious to him that it allowed him to switch his perspective and not be bound by that anymore and have an eternal perspective and not a temporal one. He was delivered from bondage into the liberty of the sons of God because he tied his affection to a place that was eternal. Amen? So when we go through suffering, we go through pain. It doesn't discount the pain, but what God can do is he can give us a perspective that's eternal and not temporal. Yeah, We were were just at a funeral several weeks ago, and one of the things that I heard one of the pastors say at the, the funeral was that our last breath here Is our first breath there our last breath here is our first breath there and a lot of times our affections can be tied just to the life here in this world when God has a life that's ready for us that's not temporal but it's eternal and what I'm finding I'm 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 older now I turned 50 this year crazy but a lot, a lot of my friends, you know, people that I know, have passed. There's more people that you know uh, have different diseases, and life seems a whole lot more fragile at fifty than it did at twenty. And I have more friends on the other side than I ever had before. And I think the older that we get, the more people we know that are on the other side than on this side. You know, when my grandpa passed away, he was in his 90s and he didn't have any friends. They were all passed. And there's an expectation I have in my spirit that there's a whole nother life waiting for me and people that have passed that are ready to receive me. And then it's like, there's this cloud of witnesses that's watching everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm thinking, and am I running this race the way that, that I should be running this race? Because I'm going to be united with, with my spiritual family. You're going to be re- reunited with your spiritual family one day. Amen? So it reveals our position. and That's a position of bondage. But the hope is to be delivered into the liberty of the sons of God. The second thing is it reveals our idols. Everyone say idols. Now, idols sounds really like evil and stuff, but idols are things that are so important to us that they control us. Idols are things that are so important to us that they control us. Suffering comes from losing something, and this is a difference between suffering and despair, and there's a difference. Suffering comes from losing something very important to us, but despair comes from losing something that means everything to us, even more than Christ, even more than God, Romans 8, 5, and 6, and this is what Paul says. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And why is it death to be carnally minded? It's death to be carnally minded because when we're carnally minded, The temporal things mean everything to us. And so when the temporal things begin to pass away, what does that produce in our lives? Does that produce life or does that produce death? It produces death. And so Paul says, if your affection and your mind is on the things of this world, that's leading to death. But if you're spiritually minded, it leads to life. And, and we could see that you know, in, in things that happened in Lahaina, that people committing suicide when they've lost everything. And I, I don't say that in any condescending way, but if you can imagine that your life was tied up in the relationship with your spouse or your grandparents, which is very easy to do and they pass away and you don't have a hope of eternity, and you're also tied to your job and your job all of a sudden is gone and you're tied to your home that you just bought, and that's gone. All of your hope is, is carnal, it's temporal, it's earthly, and when those things go, Paul says that it leads to death. To be carnally minded leads to death. But we who are spiritual, we who are believers and have our sights set on heaven, and things that are eternal, it leads to life. How many are grateful that you can have a hope that's in something eternal, something that's spiritual? The last thing that it reveals is the promise of God. The cross was the ultimate symbol of suffering, and Jesus was put through shame and pain, but it was a pathway to glory, honor, and power. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, one of the things that uh, has changed my perspective in the past several months is that pain is actually an asset. Pain is actually something that increases your capacity to love. How many of you gave birth? And, and we can look at, I remember, you know, when we first got married and um, my wife had four children, gave birth four times, and she would always remind me, why is it that you don't have to do this? She would tell me, you did this to me. <laughs> and, um, and it wasn't easy. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't comfortable for nine months carrying around another life and then delivering that life. It's probably one of the most painful experiences that anyone can, can go through. But after the birth, watching my wife hold the baby and the love that she had for our kids, such a beautiful thing. But I believe that the love that, that a, person, a mother has for her child is directly tied up to the inconvenience and the pain of carrying that baby. Because something that you suffer for, you love more. And, and that's why guys don't care as much. <laughs> we didn't have to carry the baby. <laughs> I could go into a whole (laughs) bit there, but, but God has given women the ability to love and to care because of the pain that they go through. And when I look at what Christ did for us, what does that say about his ability to love us? He went through the most pain that anybody could have ever gone through, and he did it willingly. He didn't do it because he had to. He did it out of his love for us. And if, if he and so Paul, the way that he finishes Romans 8, he says, I'm gonna to attempt to read this without glasses. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You know, he's he's writing this to people who are getting persecuted by the sword and And by getting burned at the stake and by crucifixion, he says, for it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, and you can put your suffering in there. You can put your loss in there. You can put your tragedy in there. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter what we've gone through, no matter what suffering, no matter what pain, no matter what loss, we are more than conquerors, not because our life is perfect, but we are more than conquerors in him who loved us. That he went through the greatest suffering, no matter what our suffering is, he went through suffering that was much, much greater than ours, that he didn't deserve, but he did it because he loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers things present or things to come neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that an amazing promise? a great gift that God has given us to be a part of his family. And one of the things that my dad taught me when I was young about suffering and pain is that God is refining us in the same way that fire is put under gold and there's heat that is applied to gold that the goldsmith wants to purify. In all of our lives, we will go through suffering the heat will get turned up in our lives. And what happens when heat turns up in our lives? All the junk comes to the surface. All of the anger, all of the doubt, all of the disappointments, it all surfaces. But the purpose of it is so that it can be wiped away. And when we come to God in an attitude of lament, he begins to purify our lives of all the dross, all the junk. And, and what happens with a goldsmith is he turns up the heat, all the junk comes up. He pushes it away until he sees his reflection in the gold. And what happens in the believer's life is when we go through pain and suffering and all of the junk comes up, how many of you see the junk in your spouse? Don't raise your hand. How many see the junk in your own life? when the heat is turned up. And it's when the junk that we see that comes up in our own life and we're like, I didn't even know that was there. Like that's when we can say, God, please forgive me. Take this away. And there's a purification process that happens and we become more and more into the image of him. And and this is what I've seen in our church during this season of pain and suffering. People who have gone through the most pain and suffering have looked the most like Christ. That in their pain and loss and suffering that they've stepped up and they have shown the love of God. They've thought of others more than themselves. They've offered their house for strangers to live in. They've given sacrificially so that other people who've lost everything have something. And it's through the suffering and the refining of, the, of this church and the churches all across the island that we're seeing The face of God. The process of lament reveals different things, but it also reveals the face of God in you, in me, in his people. And that's why I believe God said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Because when Jesus went through suffering and he went through pain, the thing that shone out of Jesus' life was pure love, pure mercy, a heart of forgiveness. And in that, he calls us to that life, that in our suffering and pain, that we would reflect the face of God. Amen? You were made in his image, in his likeness, you were created. Male and female, you're, both of us were created to reflect collectively the image of God. If you take your communion this morning, let's thank him for what he's done. God, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. That through your broken body, we can find healing. And God, all across our congregation and across our island, Lord, we are people that need your healing. God, we need your healing in our minds. We need your healing in our emotions. We need your healing in our bodies. And God, your body was broken so that we could be healed. So Lord, we take the bread this morning that represents your body that was broken for us. In Jesus' name, you can go ahead and you can take And with these, you you have to push down the tab. And after you push down the tab, it will break and you can pull it back. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed. That through it we can have remission of sin, the forgiveness of sin. Lord, that through your blood, that everything that we've done, past, present, and future, when we give you our sins and we give you our failures, Lord, you said that you not only forgive us, but you forget. And that when you see us, you don't see our failures, you don't see our sin, but you see the blood of your son. So God, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us and that you did it because you love us. And because you went through that pain and suffering, Lord, you love us to a degree that we cannot comprehend. So, God, we take the cup this morning, remembering your love for us. In Jesus' name, you can take. You can just repeat this prayer after me. So, dear Jesus, in the same way that I receive your blood, As a symbol of your forgiveness for my sin, I release everyone who's offended me in the same way that I didn't deserve your forgiveness. I give forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. You said in your word, as we freely receive, So freely give. So, God, I give forgiveness this morning. And I release the offender in my life. And I give them to you. Help me to be a reflection of your love. Teach me to lament. And teach me to reflect you in Jesus wonderful name and everyone said amen turn to the person next to you and say i love you with the love of christ love you let's close in this song